commandment number one. You shall have no other gods. You shall worship only me. Number two, don't bow down to idols. Nothing in heaven, earth, or sea. Number three, do not misuse my name. Now I'll stop right here. I know you want to hear the rest of it. Don't worry, come back weeks after this. We are talking about the Ten Commandments. And let me tell you this. I learned that song as a child in some other churches, VBS, believe it or not, Vacation Bible School. Okay, did anybody else get shipped to every VBS in their small town, every church, and just me? There's some of you, okay. <laughs> maybe my parents didn't like us so much, or maybe they really just kind of needed a break. I went to all the VBSs. Let me tell you now, as a parent of three kids, I get it. I get it, right? We're always looking for fun, safe places for our children to go and learn about Jesus. I'd like to just take a moment now and thank Taylor Daniel, our Kingdom Kids pastor, and all those amazing volunteers in Kingdom. Yes, please. Thank you, Jesus, for our Kingdom Kids team. They just put on, we don't do VBS anymore, but we call it Kids Conference. And so we had that last week. My kids had a great time. And during one of the sessions, my husband and I decided to go on a date, went to, the, to dinner. The service says, are you celebrating something special? I'm like, we're kid-free. That, that is the celebration. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you, Kingdom Kids. My kids had a great time. More than just some time away from them, my kids received a deposit that is lifelong. And what I want to tell you is even as a kid in someone else's VBS, I am grateful to the men and women who took time to pour into me. They taught me the Ten Commandments via song that I can still sing decades later. What I will tell you is this, what I learned about the kingdom kid, or what I learned about the Ten Commandments as a kid and how I understood them is a little different than how I understand them today. As a kid, I thought following God was only about obedience. And I was a good little Christian girl, so I was gonna be sure I was gonna obey all of his rules. Why? Because I was afraid of going to hell. Uh-huh, that's why. Pretty much only why. Because I have vivid memories of falling asleep in my bed at night and I would say my prayers and I would actually try to confess out loud every sin I could think of because I was so worried if I somehow passed away in my slumber and I had not confessed the sin out loud, bloop, to hell for me. Thankfully, <laughs> I've learned a lot since I was a kid and I hope that you have learned too that following Jesus is so much more than just obeying his rules I've learned a lot about who God is. I've come to know him in a real and a personal way. And I learned about the Ten Commandments. They're not just this list of rules to keep us in line. They're actually guidelines to help us live the most abundant life possible. And what I've learned is that our God of laws is a God of love. So the Ten Commandments were given specifically to the Israelites on their journey from slavery to freedom. But if I'm being honest, somewhere in my mind, I actually thought that, man, if they, if they are going to be saved, they have to obey these commandments. I think I had it a little backwards. Like, hey, if you want to earn salvation, you got to obey. But what we've discovered as we've been learning about the Ten Commandments is that when the Israelites received them, bum ba da they're already free. They were already free. It wasn't like, do these things so that you will be set free. They've already been set free, which means the Ten Commandments were simply a concrete way of showing them how to live in the freedom they've already received. Friends, it's no different for us today. It's so true. We don't obey all of God's rules to be saved. 
Jesus already paid for all sin for all time. But man, these are some beautiful guidelines, this 10 commandments on how to live in the freedom that we've already been given. The 10 commandments help us visualize and live an abundant life. And so when we follow God's best for our lives, when we follow his laws, his rules, it really is a grateful response to God for the salvation and the freedom we've already received. It's one of the ways that we love him. Let's read here about love in John 13. It says, now I'm giving you a new commandment. This is Jesus speaking. He says, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Guess what? The 10 commandments, all about love. It's all about love. The first four are about how we love God. And the last six are about how we love others. And so today we're gonna look more in depth at the third commandment. I promise I won't sing again. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. What does this mean? How do we misuse his name? What we're gonna discover today is that it's not just simply not swearing or using God's name in vain, which I think maybe we've heard a few times. It is so much more than that. Today, we're gonna discover that we misuse the name of the Lord when we live in any way that does not match his character, that does not match his nature. So let's pray. We'll jump into scripture. Father, I thank you that you are with us. You are so present. And we welcome you now, brilliant teacher, to show us what we might not yet know. And so we just posture ourselves to receive today. We welcome your revelation and we welcome your presence here. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. So do not misuse the name of the Lord. What is in a name? Do you know that your name has a meaning? Like your actual name means something? Do you know what your name means? When I was a kid, well, let me say this. When we go to name our kids, honestly, I don't think we think about what their name means. I think we, we just go, oh, well, this was a family name. Or, you know, I, this one just sounds nice, so I'm going to pick this name. But me, as a kid, I discovered what my name means. Ready? Leah means weary. Thank you, mom and dad. Like, weary. Thank you for the lifetime of fatigue that you have sentenced me to. This is great. Leah means weary. Names have meaning. So I was very thoughtful when it came to naming my kids because no way am I going to name them that. Well, let me say this too. With, I asked my mom, I was like, okay, wait, why, why did you name me Weary? Of all the names on the planet, you picked Weary. She's like, oh, well, no, I had a whole plan. She had four kids. So she named us all. My older sister was Sarah. And she's like, I thought it would be cute to name you guys all out of Genesis and ending in A-H. So it's Sarah, Leah, Rebecca, the biblical spelling, and then Josiah, which Cute mom, but like Rachel seems really nice. Like you didn't have to go with the AH thing. Like you could have picked something else. She didn't do that. In fact, she named me Weary. It's fine. I go to name my kids. I am thinking this through. I'm not just gonna flippantly pick something. So I name my oldest, my 13-year-old. His name is Cohen. That means priest. So I just kind of like that. Then Claire means bright. And then, let me tell you about the last one. Uh, we... <laughs> I had a three-year-old and a one-year-old. My husband comes to me, he says, hey, babe, I feel like the Lord said we're supposed to have another baby. I'm like, you have not heard from the Lord. 
I'm, I'm quite certain this is not him at all. Why? I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old and I am weary. I am exhausted. There's no way on earth this is the Lord. So I said, okay. It's <laughs> like, if this is him, you get one shot. You know what that means? Good. If this is him, you get one shot. So we'd like to introduce you to our one-shot wonder. This is Gia Ray Winger. Gia means God is gracious because didn't he know what we did not know ourselves? I mean, Ben knew I was not on board so much. I got on board. She is a wonderful gift to our family. But God is gracious because he knew what we did not know. I want you to figure out what your name means. I want you to look it up after this, not now on your phones. Okay. Names have meaning. And you know, we can kind of take names up a notch when we assign a specific title to a name, like sir, or missus, or doctor. When we use these formal titles to address someone, we are operating in reverence. And reverence just means deep respect. I deeply respect you. So when we address someone with their name, or perhaps with a formal title, we have this ability to revere or to honor their name and who they are. The other day I was in my neighborhood, I was outside and I hear, Mrs. Winger, Mrs. Winger. And I start like looking for my mother-in-law. I'm like, oh, who? oh, you're talking to me. No, you can just call me Leah. Like you don't have to call me Mrs. Winger. I appreciate it, but no. I have friends in other denominations who they will only refer to me as Pastor Leah. And it, we just don't have that so much in our church culture, but here's what I appreciate. The name and the title honors the authority that they carry. There's something to it. There's something reverent about the name. When you use your doctor's title, you're saying, I honor your years of work. I honor who you are. I honor your nature. Names have a meaning and titles have a meaning. So when we jump back to this Exodus passage and we say, you must not misuse the name of the Lord your God, to understand what this is saying, we need to know what God's name means. All throughout scripture, God reveals himself to us with many different names. And because we know that names have meaning, when we study the names, we can better understand who he is. Because the meaning behind the name reveals his character and his nature. And this is what's cool. He wants you to know his name. Personally, intimately. He's not a faraway God. He's a close-up God. He wants you to know his name. And in fact, knowing his name today is a fulfillment of the prophetic scriptures because he cleared that in the last days, people will know his name. We read that in Isaiah 52. It says, I will reveal my name to my people and they will come to know its power. Everyone say power. Then at last they will recognize that I am the one who speaks to them. God wants us to know his name and he wants us to know the power behind that name. Because as we understand his name, we understand his nature. So in this series, we've been journeying through the story of the deliverance of the Jewish people from Israel. And one of the fascinating things to me is that God's name plays a part in their deliverance. So when God sent Moses on this mission to free the nation of Israel, they were out of oppressive slavery in Egypt. The first thing Moses wants to know is God's name. We read about this in Exodus. First, it says Moses protested. First of all, okay, I have a 13-year-old. The protesting in my home right now is like exponentially rising. Anyone who's done this before, help me because I can't. It's like everything's a protest. Like, oh, 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 you have to do the dishes. Oh, oh, I have to get off Fortnite. What? Okay, it's painful. So when I read this, I'm like automatically like, oh, don't protest. 
Just trust him. Moses protested. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Moses knew he could not go to the children of Israel in his own name. Even though he'd been raised in Pharaoh's court, he did not have the power or the authority. But if he came in the mighty name of God, the Israelites would know that the God of Israel was about to set them free from Egypt. So Moses stood before the burning bush and he said, God, tell me about your name. God understands in this moment how important it is that Moses can reveal his name. Why? Because his name reflects his nature. His name reflects his nature. So what is God's name? Well, his four-letter proper name is found over 6,800 times in the Old Testament. And his name is Yahweh. We would also pronounce it Jehovah. This is the sacred name of God. And it comes with four Hebrew letters. It's the letters Y-H-V-H or yad Hey vav Hey. These are the four letters of God's name. And in Hebrew, it's important to note that there are no vowels. There are only consonants in the alphabet. And so this is God's full name, Y-H-V-H. But in the 13th century, Catholic scholars thought, hey, we got to add some vowels to this sucker so we can pronounce it. And so that's where we get Yehovah or Jehovah. They added some vowels. And the Greek, Y-H-V-H, you know what it's called? Tetragrammaton. Sounds like a transformer, doesn't it? Tetragrammaton. It's not four, tetra. Grammaton, letters, four letters, Y-H-V-H. Leah means weary. Thank you, Mom. Yahweh is translated, I am. I am. So back to this passage in Exodus, God is telling Moses to tell the Israelites, say, hey, hey, I am has sent me to you. Yahweh has sent me to you. How does his name reflect his nature? I am, that indicates presence, right? to be. I am with you. I am your deliverer. I am who I say I am. I am. But in Hebrew, when God speaks here, it is also indicative of the future tense, which means that the name can also be translated, I will be who I will be. Fascinating. God is not just saying, I am here with you today. I am present in this moment. He is also saying, and I will be with you tomorrow. I will never leave you. I am right here with you in this moment, and I will be with you in the future. Isn't this comforting to us as followers of Jesus? Do you know that none of us know what the future will hold? None of us. My husband, Ben, and I were sitting out on the back porch earlier this week, and I'm just hanging out after the kids went to bed and we were talking about this next year and some financial goals and some other goals we have. And we just had this moment of complete gratitude. God, thank you. You guys, 20 years ago, we had no idea this is the life that we would build. 
We had no idea God would give us little Gia, spitfire. God is gracious. We had no idea what the future was, but we chose to build our life on an unshakable foundation. And that foundation is I am. Yahweh, the God who is, the one who is so present. And let me tell you, he does not fail. He does not fail. I do not know what the next 20 years hold, but I do know that I am, will be with me the whole time. He's the God who is, and he's the God who will be. And some of you today, you need to call on I am. You have something in your life where you know you need God to break through. I am is present with you. That addiction you can't shake, that problem you can't solve, only I am can do it. And he is telling you today, I'm present with you. I'm not going to leave you. I am your deliverer. He loves you so much. I am. His name reflects his nature. So we must not misuse his name. How might we do this? I think at one point or another, you guys, we all think this means, hey, don't cuss, right? Don't misuse the name of the Lord. Check, just don't cuss, and really don't cuss using God's name. We do it all the time. OMG. OMG. You know, gosh darn it, but replace with your favorite expletive. We do it all the time. We don't think about what's coming out of our mouths. I have teenagers in my home or preteens or whatever because they're testing their newfound freedoms in so many fun ways, including their speech. You know, because there's like this progression of swearing, right? No one just comes out the gate with like the big ones, you know? It's like when they're a kid, they're like, ah, crud. And now their teenagers are like, that's crap. I'm like, we don't say that in this house. Except I'm secretly like, thank God you're not saying swear. You know, like that is hard. There's this progression of swearing. We should be mindful of the things that are coming out of our mouths. Our words come out of the heart, and it matters, the things that we say. It does. But I also want you to know that that is not all this commandment means. Do not misuse the name of the Lord. Absolutely, be mindful of what is coming out of your mouth. But it's so much more. It's confusing, right? Because we've read this our whole lives. We're like, really? I think that's all it is. No, it's not. And here's the truth. The Israelites were confused about this too. They really didn't understand what it meant to misuse the name of the Lord. And they were so concerned about breaking this commandment. Do you know what their solution was? Yeah, we just won't say his name at all. We will not utter his holy name from my lips. And here's, here's the good thing. They revered God's holy name. They cared enough about what was coming out of their mouths. So much so, some won't even write it. It's like that holy. I honor their reverence. I honor their reverence. But I'm telling you, there was more to the story. Because when Israel went into exile in about 594 BC, many scholars believe that the reason they went into exile was, get this, they misused the name of the Lord. We don't misuse God's name by simply saying it out loud. We misuse his name when we live in any way that does not reflect his nature. It wasn't about them saying Yahweh out of their lips. It's that they didn't live a life who reflected who God is. 
So they misrepresented, they misused the name that had been placed on them. In number six, we have the Aaronic blessing where, where the priestly blessing, the, the, the blessing was placed on the Israelite people. It says this, they will put my name on the Israelites, God's holy name, and I will bless them. So the Israelites, they had dedicated their lives to God, which means these people were now his own. And they had just been freed from forced slavery, but they had entered into another kind of arrangement where, get this, they actually couldn't do whatever they wanted. They were in covenant. They were in agreement. And God places his name on his people. That means that they bear his name. And because they bear his name, they reflect his nature to the nations. Friends, if you have given your life to God, you bear his name. If you call yourself a disciple or a follower of Jesus, you are not your own. And in the best possible way. When we give our lives to the Lord, we are saying we will bear your name. He has placed his name upon us. And that means our lives should reflect his nature. You ever been somewhere in public? Like you're going to a restaurant, you're having terrible service and you're like, I'm about to pop off on these people. I'm going to tell them, give them peace of my mind. And then you look down and you're like, oh, I'm wearing my work name badge. You're like, I can't represent State Farm this way. <laughs> You've done it, you know. The, what's worse is when it's a t-shirt, you can't like take it off. You're like, oh, it's just right there. Yes, I've done this wearing the vineyard name badge. I think real quick about what I say. We don't have special uniforms. We don't wear a name badge. But we have, been, I've, we have been branded with the holy name of God. It's not just written on our hearts. It should be beaming from our faces. The holy name of God, his holy nature should be coming out of us. That we wouldn't have to think twice of who's watching. That we would live such a beautiful life that reflects the nature of God. That we wouldn't be worried if we said yes to Jesus, we bear his holy, holy name. One of the most profound ways that we misuse his name is by living in any way that does not reflect his nature. It's a good reminder for all of us. All of us. And we think, okay, we don't have a special uniform. How are we supposed to do this? How are we going to reflect his nature? We read this in the beginning, John 13. Jesus is speaking. I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Everyone say love. Love, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. And here it comes, the uniform. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. We have misrepresented God's character. We have misused his name any time we have chosen not to love. Our name reflects God's nature. And let me say this, love is not agreement. You guys, people mess this up all the time. Love is not agreement. I live in a house with people I love and we do not agree often. Love is not agreement, but it is deep affection. And it is genuine concern. And it is provision in every 
every aspect of the word. God is love. And he loved the world so much, he gave his only son to people who don't even want him, to people who reject him, to people who misuse his name. And he still loves. And there's an invitation to us today to love the way the Father loves, to give our life away, to see people as God sees them, made of so much worth and value. These people that he created and spoke life into and breathed his breath of life into and gave a purpose and a destiny, those people, he loves them. So we love them. We are called to be love. Love is the way we reflect the nature of God. You want to read about real love? It's in 1 Corinthians 13. But it's kind of in the negative sense, so I'll tell you how it reflects. You go read it later. But basically, we haven't done this well because we've been impatient, unkind. We've been jealous, boastful, proud, rude, We've demanded our own way. We've been irritable. This is all from 1 Corinthians 13. This is not what love is. We have not represented his name clearly because we've not reflected his nature. There's an opportunity today to partner with him to begin reflecting who he is to the world. And we reflect his nature when we reflect his love. Can we do this on our own? No. Holy Spirit, God himself lives inside of us and he shows us that there's a better way. And he is so faithful to do it. He loves to give us opportunities to love people. Uh, my husband and I, we host a, an annual Memorial Day block party. We moved into our neighborhood about 10 years ago. Okay, that balloon arch, let me say this too. Somebody gifted that to me. I would not ever, ever take the time to do that. I hate repetitive tasks. So just full disclosure, I picked that up from somebody else and it was glorious. Uh, so we host this Memorial Day block party every year. And the whole purpose of this is helping neighbors connect with one another. Just meet each other, get to know each other face to face. And so we invite the whole neighborhood. We actually make little... Uh, invite cards and we go door to door and we say, hey, come to the block party. And we go to the village and we get the blockades and we, we block off both ends of the street so we can set up full court basketball and we have bags and we cook out. Someone this year brought ribs. So that was a step up because we had hot dogs. Like I'm telling you, it was, it was a good day. But again, the whole purpose of this event is to connect and to love people in a really practical way. But this year, as people were connecting, well, two things. One, this new family moved into the neighborhood from LA and they say to us, they're like, hey, uh, everybody here is so nice. And I'm like, yeah, welcome to the Midwest. Like, that's what we do. We nice people, okay? Because they're from LA. But secondarily, at the end of the party, we're closing down and I'm like, man, I know that I need to go get those blockades moved because we're blocking the street and it's about time to wrap it up. So I drive down the street with the truck and I get ready to pick them up and I see one of our neighbors, um, they live a couple houses down from me. And let me say this, I have had many conversations with this man and his wife. They are passionate about the way they live their faith out. That's the nicest way I can say that. Um, so I see them, I drive by and they are set up in their front lawn with a card table, two chairs, 
big old Bible, and some big sign that basically is like turn or burn, something to that effect. They're sitting in the yard. Keep in mind, we've invited them to the party. We went to their house. We said, hey, come. Here's why I messed up. I didn't stop. I didn't say, hey, the people, they're over here at my house. 150 of them, actually, if you want to come say hi. I didn't stop. I didn't say, hey, here's a plate of food. Hey, you missed, you missed it. We, we really wanted you there. I didn't do that. I did not reflect God's nature in a good way that day. I drove right past, and honestly, I had some thoughts in my mind. Like, Jesus wouldn't sit at a card table in his front lawn. Jesus would be at the party because he comes to you. He comes to you. He doesn't wait for you to go to him. I'm going to do better next time. But I will tell you, this day did bear his nature in other ways. We open our home. You know, God is home. He's home. Open your home. We, we were generous with what we had. Even unintentionally, somebody raided my garage fridge and all my Diet Coke, gone. It's fine. It's all his anyway. <laughs> I was able to pray for some people. I was able to hear some stories. Great friendships were made simply because we said, hey, let's take some time and connect. There are some simple ways that we can bear the nature of God because God is kind and he's benevolent and he's present. He's right there in your neighborhoods. He's right there in your workplace. He is with you. So I want you to think even now, how can I bear God's nature or his name in a way that reflects his nature? How can I do that? Because all of us as followers of Jesus, we've been marked. We've been stamped. We bear his name. How do we leave this place and not tell people, I'm a Christian and sit in our front lawns with our card tables? But how do we instead reflect and love people face to face? That's who God is. He's an up close and personal God. He is, I am. He is so present. So we can honor his name, of course, by what comes out of our mouths. Please do that. Please honor him well. But we also honor him when we live lives that reflect his nature who he is, his kindness, and his goodness. We want to live lives worthy of the name that we bear. Amen? I want to pray a priestly blessing over you, that full blessing that's found in number six. So if you're able, would you stand now? This scripture, you know, it says Israelites, because that's what was going on, but I'm just going to change it for us today because we happen to be gathered in the vineyard home. We would call ourselves vineyardites. I'm going to change it a little bit, but just know it's Israelites. That's the actual text. But if you want to put your hands out, like this is just a blessing from the Lord for you today. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the vineyardites. (laughs) Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the vineyardites and I will bless them. 
So today, Lord, we receive the name that you've placed on us. God, may we be beautiful reflections of your nature to the world who so desperately needs to know how good you are. God, you are who you say you are. You are I am and you are I will be. And today we dedicate or rededicate or whatever that means for the first time or forever, we say yes to you again. We want to reflect your nature because we bear your name. And so as we go into this time where we sing praises to you, God, would you reveal your face? We want to see you face to face. So we welcome you. We welcome your presence. And we honor your name as we sing praises to you. In Jesus' name, amen.